Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today I am joined by a listener, by a member of this community, and these are some of my favorite, favorite shows to do, because you know I love a great interview with an expert, you know I love a solo show, because I just get to talk to you, but one of my favorite things to do is to talk to you. I just think it's so useful to share stories from the trenches. And Michelle is really special and she's special to me. And she came on the air today because I learned about her journey. Journey. I learned about her journey. I learned about Michelle's life uh, just by getting to know her through the chat in my DMs on Instagram. You know, it's been probably five years now. Um, And then she came to one of the retreats that Tilly and I did last year, the Live Better Retreat in Miami. And so, of course, I really got to know her story. And after that retreat, she made a very big change in her life. And she left her corporate job of many, many years and committed 100% to what was a side hustle. So that is not a spoiler alert, because really what we're talking about today is what was that really, really like? Like, instead of the stereotypical comments that people make about what that is like, I wanted to really know what it was like from someone who has just recently done it. What did life look like before? Why were you not able to do it? Then why were you able to do it? And what does that look like for you now? So Michelle and I get into that. But then we also talk about like how she used to think about failure versus how she thinks about failure now. We talk about why the stresses of doing something that you love just hit different than the stress of doing something that you don't. And then she turns the tables on me and asks me a few questions. So this is a fun conversation. Thank you. Pull up a chair. Join us at the table and listen in on my conversation with Michelle. Let's go. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Let's go. Listen, I manifested this. I'm not even kidding. I would listen to your podcast, and I would think about, I wonder if I could ever be on her podcast. And then when you said that to me on my birthday, I was like, holy crap. (laughs) It's all coming together. I love it. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today I am joined by a member of this community. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, Ella. Thank you. Are you nervous? How do you feel? Talk to us. A little bit nervous, yes. I have a little toy I'm playing with on my fingers to keep me distracted. Oh, good. You have a stress toy. Okay, Michelle, will you tell everybody how we know one another? Uh, Through your podcast, which then led to the Live Better Retreat. That's right. Michelle is a listener. And it's so funny. We have these like parasocial relationships when we get to know people through podcasts or then start chatting in social media. But Michelle, I feel like we've been friends for years because we've chatted back and forth in Instagram for how long? Like, how long have you been a listener? I want to say it was 2018 ish around that time. Okay. And then, yeah. So you guys, I'm going to tell a little backstory here and then we'll talk about what we're going to talk about, but I think that you will enjoy this. So Michelle's husband, 
texts me in Instagram, sends me a DM. Hey, my wife's Michelle. And like you shared her handle. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've known Michelle for years. And her husband, Brett was like, my wife's 40th birthday is coming up. This was last year. My wife's 40th birthday is coming up. And is there any way you could like, you know, send her a t-shirt or like do something. And we decided, I was like, first of all, she has the t-shirt because I've seen her in it. (laughs) What we decided to do was I FaceTimed you on your birthday and you looked so mortified. (laughs) Definitely shocked. (laughs) Didn't know what to do or say. (laughs) It was so much fun, but that actually led to a conversation, which led to Michelle coming to the live better retreat in Miami just last year. And how, like, what was that experience like for you, Michelle? Nerve wracking at first. I was even hesitant to sign up because uh, I'm not good enough. You know, I don't won't know anyone. Um, just won't connect with anyone. And finally, just made the decision. I just need to do this because I knew in my gut that this was something I needed to do. I love that, and I love your honesty about that. And I think so many people can relate to that, even if it's you know coming to a weekend retreat by yourself where you don't know anyone. Again, you know we're buds, but you don't know anyone, and you like you're spending your own money, you're spending your precious weekend time, and you know no one. How long would you say before you're like, okay, this is not the worst mistake I've ever made in my life? Honestly, when I first arrived, because Karen was there to greet me and she was super nice. And then I saw you out of the corner of my eye and you were like, hey, and just, I don't know, everyone was just super welcoming. Like everyone was in the same position as I was, I think with the nerves and stuff. So it was, it was helpful to know that I wasn't alone. Yeah. I'm nervous too. And then I feel like, you know, it takes about 30 minutes of our meet and greet reception. And then everybody's laughing and joking and doing, doing their thing. So I just wanted to share that we don't even have a retreat on the schedule yet. I just wanted to share that because I think that that's such a universal feeling and people feel like that even just going to a dinner party or a networking event, Michelle. And, you know, we've been talking about things like that on the show lately. And I just wanted to share your personal experience with being hesitant. I mean, how would you describe yourself? I would not describe you as a natural extrovert. Absolutely not. <laughs> and and you don't have to be like, this is the whole message. You just have to be willing to do the thing and to come as you are, so to speak. So this year, as a little anniversary fun thing to do, I called Michelle again on her birthday because obviously now I know when it is. <laughs> And Brett pinged me and I was like, Brett, this is not a tradition. Okay. (laughs) But yes, I am going to call Michelle again for her birthday because I want Michelle to come on the air and share a little bit of her journey because I've gotten to know you and I've gotten to know where you were and where you are now. And it's just one of those stories, like the, like the conversation I had with Mandy a while ago, who was a member, a listener and a member of this community. And I will, of course, link to that episode. It's one of my favorite episodes of all time because we just talk about the reality of what it feels like when you're stuck or when you're not where you want to be or when you know you're here for more than you are living and Yes, it's wonderful to have these experts on, but what is better? I mean, everybody's an expert at something, don't get me wrong, but what is better than hearing about the reality of the reality with my friends and members of this community who are living it? So with that said, Michelle, who are you and what do you do? 
I'm Michelle Nealon, 41 years old, I'm married, no kids, just have an 18-year-old cat and live in Wilmington, North Carolina. I was introduced to your show in 2018 by a coworker at the time who actually recommended it to me. All right, let me ask you this. Take us back like, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago, and describe to me what your life looked like then, please. I was in accounting at a corporation working a job, working lots of overtime and not paid, you know, because when you're salary, you just work. (laughs) Okay. So your childhood passion. Nope. Just was good at math. (laughs) Got it. Okay. So you're doing a job and may I, am I putting words in your mouth to say that this was like a J-O-B job for you? Like this did not light you up. So in the beginning, it lit me up just with possibilities that the career path could lead me to. Uh, But as I progressed in my career and moved up in the companies that I worked in, I started realizing this was not what I thought it was and not something that I'm passionate about. Okay. That's a very natural journey. In fact, sometimes I think it's so insane that we actually are meant to decide what we want to be when we grow up, when we're a teenager. My executive function isn't functioning and you want me to tell you what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. So you're painting a picture for us where you're in your late thirties and you've been in this career for some time, I should think. Yes. And you're working in accounting and you're good at it. It's a skill. It's a competence. It's something that you do well, but it's not lighting you up. So, so what did you do? You started a side hustle. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I love to organize. And I thought, I wonder if organizing is like a thing. Could it it be a job? (laughs) And I quickly realized after Googling that, yes, there are people out there who are professional organizers and they do this for a living. And that just kind of opened my eyes to a different future for myself. I want to talk about what it looked like to start that for yourself, because you're still taking a leap. Even if you're not jumping out of the corporate net, you are still taking a leap and betting on yourself in some way. You're still putting yourself out there. And that's hard. And then we'll talk more about what happened after that, Michelle. But can you take us back, if you can think back to this time, and like what gave you the impetus or the faith or the confidence to start taking action and what were some of those actions to go from being Michelle in accounting to being Michelle entrepreneur? Yeah. So, I mean, that felt way over my head. First of all, I started by trying to create a portfolio for myself of like before and after pictures. So I was asking friends that I knew, like, is there a space in your home that I can come and organize for free? I just want to take pictures. Uh, And three friends allowed me to come in. One was a complete basement, like the full basement filled with things. I was able to organize that. The next one was a walk-in closet, which was super fun. And the last one was a friend who had two boys and both of her boys' rooms were a disaster. And they just needed to be feng shui'd, if you you will. And after I transformed those three spaces, that was really like my confirmation. I can do this. This is possible. But then it was like the whole business side. Yeah, I'm an accountant, but I don't know the legal side of things and the insurance and all the things that go with it. So I can do the books, but that's about it. (laughs) Yeah, that can be so intimidating. And in fact, you've identified several things here. So one of the very first things that we tend to do, I think, when we have dreams 
dreams or when we have even just projects that we're tempted to do or things we're tempted to join. I think one of the very first things our brain does is it tries to disqualify us. Oh, I can't do that because this. Oh, I'm not ready to do that because that. Like I find that consistent and across the board. And my response to that is do it anyway. Did you develop, would you say? And it's fine if the answer is no, but were you conscious at all about any tools that you deployed or anything you tried to do to overcome those feelings? Well, first, let me just back up and say another piece that maybe people could relate to is the fact that I went to school. I earned those student loans that everyone seems to have. And I I was trying to justify in my head, how could I leave this career that I spent so much time earning that degree and so much money paying off the student loans? Like, How could I just up and leave that? That was a difficult decision. And that took some time to really think through and process in my mind. Yeah, I bet it did. And mm-hmm. and we do this in relationships. We do this in friendships. We do this with jobs, certainly. We do this with uh, projects where we've already spent so much money, we feel like we have to keep going. And that is all the sunk cost fallacy, which is I put this much in, so I must keep going. And the reason it's a fallacy is because as it turns out, effort expended or resources applied does not guarantee an outcome. So so in your case, you had a very reasonable sunk cost phenomenon, which is like, I've already invested all of this. I mean, I know somebody who went to medical school and did the whole thing, internships and all. I mean, we're talking an eight-year commitment and then was like, this is not for me. And it's like, okay, so is your choice now, Michelle or med school person, is your choice now to now therefore commit for the next 60 years? Like that's what we do. I hate this. So I'm definitely going to double down and do this for the next 60 years, next 30 years, the next 10 years. Or do I take what I learned from that and understand that that's part of my unique stack now? And now I'm going to go do this thing and some of it will be useful and some of it will not. I choose B. You clearly did too. I absolutely did. Once I came to that conclusion that it wasn't a total waste, because in in my mind, that was my first thought was what a waste of my time and effort and money. But then the things that I gained from that career are definitely transferable skills for my business now. There's somebody out there listening right now, Michelle, and they're like, yeah, but I'm doing A and what I really want to go do is Z. Like it has nothing to do. There's not a single transferable skill. And I would say, I think that the danger is that we look at ourselves as like these linear beings. I was doing this. And if I stop, I will fail. And then I'm going to get on that track over there and get on that linear path. And nothing I'm going to do is going to come with me and blah, blah, blah. Like none of my skills will transfer with me, et cetera. And what I would want to share with that person is If you stop looking at yourself as a linear being, I mean, you know my model, we've talked about the iterative model instead of a linear one, but in this case, all I really mean is everything you do adds to your unique stack of qualifiers, of experiences, of things you know, of things you do, and your stack is not going to look like anyone else's. And that's the beauty of it. So when you spend time investing in yourself, when you spend time going to school for what you were doing, when you spend time as in the accounting department of a large corporation, you still pick up skills about how to talk to people or how to write something a certain way or you know how these two pieces should go together. You just learn things that no one can take away 
from you that become yeah. a part of your unique stack. So if there's anyone listening that wants to go do Z and they feel like it's such an incredible pivot from A, I would just say like, that's what made you, you now go do the next thing. <laughs> don't, don't disqualify yourself because you've invested so heavily in a thing you don't want to do anymore. So a lot of the times I was thinking in the future, I, I like to think ahead and I would think like, if my life changed today and say it ended, would I look back and regret sticking with this? Absolutely. I would. Life is so short. You don't get a second chance. Just do what you love. Do what you want to do now, especially after COVID. It was unexpected. Like It's just a wake-up call, really. How long did you tinker with the idea of leaving your job? That was probably a good four to five years because I am very risk adverse. (laughs) I needed a plan. I needed a budget. I needed all the finances. I needed everything in place. And that included relocating from Ohio to Wilmington, North Carolina. So it was a lot. It was a lot. And and I wanted to make sure we were debt-free before we even relocated. So there was a lot that went into the decision. But once I got to that place where I felt confident in our savings and where we were in life and everything, I had a conversation with Brett and we both agreed it was time. I think that's so important because a lot of the interwebs are out there, Michelle, and they're like, you know, pursue your passion and the money will follow. And like, that's great. But as I have said before, I can't live on vibes. That's just not where I am in my life. So I think it's important to balance that with the fact that you didn't have this idea, realize it lights you up in a way that you have been missing and then jump. You actually made a plan. You probably, I'm going to go ahead and hazard a guess that probably could have left a little bit sooner. Is that a fair thing to say? (laughs) That's fair. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Wait, wait, wait. How long after the retreat was it before you took the full leap? So the retreat was the end of September and I resigned in the middle of February. Okay. So be careful about coming to retreats, you guys. (laughs) There are consequences. But what, in all seriousness, what you've gotten on the table for us, which I think is really important is Maybe, maybe you hesitated a little bit, but you did spend X amount of time forming a plan. And when the interwebs wants to get your attention and talks about knitting your parachute in the air and all that jazz, which is fantastic. And I've done that many times. They skip the part where they talk about, Hey, create a savings account for yourself. Hey, pay off some of that debt that's eating away at you. Hey, maybe lay a little bit of a foundation. So you're not wreaking havoc in every area of your life. So I think that's an important reality layer to insert into this story. But when you did that, when you pulled the trigger and you finally were like, nope, I'm quitting. Can you tell us what that was like for you? It honestly started with COVID and that knocked me down for a good 10 to 15 days. And then right after that, I ended up having a grand mal seizure. And that was like a wake up call for me. So I do have epilepsy, but I haven't had a seizure since I was 17 years old. So that was like, whoa, okay. Something must need to change because it's my seizures are related to stress, lack of sleep, things like that. And stress was definitely a number one factor at work. It was just never ending. It felt like every time you would get a little win, five more things were piled on your plate and there was just no light at the end of the tunnel. So that was a lot of pressure. And then, you know, when you have a team under you, you know, humans. (laughs) 
<laughs> Humans are the biggest challenge when it comes to teams. Yeah. <laughs> okay. For the folks out there who are thinking of investing in themselves and taking a leap from something secure and jumping into what feels a little bit like the unknown, what do you wish you had known before you made that leap? I think the fear really kept me in my safe place in co- in corporate America. What I wish I would have known was that it is possible. Like I shouldn't hesitate. I can just do this. But I also did a lot of planning beforehand so that I didn't have anything that I wish I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Did you suffer from a lack of confidence? Do you feel like, is that a fair thing to say uh, in terms of betting on yourself? Were you, did you do the thing where you're like, I don't know if I can actually do this. Will people want what I have to offer? Like, Did you do that whole dance in your head? Kind of. So I knew that I was fully capable of the job that I'm doing now. I just wasn't sure if I would be able to book enough clients to live and continue to do this full time. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Okay. Super, super practical. What are three tips you have as someone who started their own business and you're a sole proprietor and you're doing the thing? What are three tips you would have for someone who's about to do the same thing? Um, tip number one, don't be afraid. <laughs> there are answers everywhere. You you may feel unqualified or unknowledgeable about some realms of the business, but Google is your friend. You will find answers. Don't be afraid to just look things up if you don't know what the answer is or what your next step should be. Tip two, I would say, insure yourself. <laughs> Get insurance, form an LLC or sole proprietorship, whatever it is. Look into that, Google that, and really look into the best option for you. You don't need a lawyer to do that. A lot of people think that you do, but you can do every bit of that That's online. That's correct. Tip three, you know what you're good at. Don't doubt yourself. Just do what you're naturally born to do. You know what you shared that I think is such a good tip, and I'm not sure people always think this way? You did a beta test. You did trial runs. You went to people and said, can I please do what I'm good at and do it for free? By the way, what an offer. Would one of my friends please call me and say that you have decided to clean out garages and organize them for a living? And can I be your beta? Your friends are so lucky. It was helpful to also do it as a side hustle for a while, uh, you know, because I did it from, I would say, officially 2019, I booked my first client this year, 2023, as a side hustle. So I was able to kind of get in and kind of see where this could lead, kind of get a feel for how many clients would need me and things like that. It was hel- it was helpful for planning. Tell me then now, now here you are, you're living your best life. You're doing something that you felt called to do almost and are so gifted at. Michelle, what does life look like for you now? And I think it's, I'm not looking for rainbows and sunshine here. I mean, really, because you trade stressors, right? That's my experience. Anyway, I have had a foot in the corporate camp for 23 years and I'm only just really kind of pulling my last grasp on corporate America and sort of letting it go and really throwing myself into my more entrepreneurial ventures. And personally, I find it terrifying, but there's something different about the stressors and the pressures of doing what you love versus doing what you you know, feels like what you have to do instead of what you want to do. The pressures hit different. Do you have that experience? I do. You know, every month 
you have to keep up with social media. So every month I make it a point at the beginning of the month to schedule all my, all my posts for the month for Facebook and Instagram. And even though there's a pressure there, it's like, because it's what I want to do, it's not work. And I know people have said this in the past, but until you get to this point, I don't know that you'll really grasp the feeling (laughs) of doing work. That's not really work. (laughs) Doing work for something that you are passionate about hits different. Let me ask you this, and this might sound a bit meta, but how did you used to think about failure? And how do you think about failure and success now if that is at all different? Yeah. So I used to think there was failure and there was success. They were two separate things, one or the other. What I learned from the retreat, the Live Better retreat, was that success consists of failures. And that to me was like, wait, what? (laughs) My whole world just changed because failures are part of success. And that really freed me and almost gave me permission. Like failure is guaranteed. And that gave me permission to fail, basically. (laughs) I didn't even know I needed that. Failure is guaranteed, built in, baked in part of the process. We need to do an entire show on this topic. This show was brought to you by another five-star review. You guys are amazing. I've said it before and I will say it again. When you leave a review for the show, especially in Apple Podcasts, although we will take them anywhere, if you take the time to open Apple Podcasts and to click on five stars and to leave a comment, not only will we read your comment on the air, but you are doing me a huge solid. You're putting a tip in the tip jar because it helps me get better guests for the show. It helps create traction for the show. And it just overall has a rising tide lifting all boats effect on the show. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time to leave a review. And here's one now. Five stars from Jane, who says the best, most comprehensive and motivating health and wellness podcast for anyone in search of living a fulfilled, happy and authentic life. I've learned that surrounding myself with individuals who are the real deal is what inspires me to be the best me. Ella is just that. Honest, relatable, positive, authentic and sincere. These are all the qualities that make her relatable, not to mention her sense of humour, which makes her just plain adorable. I've listened to every episode and followed Ella on her journey and she's been with me every step of mine too. Hashtag live better. Thank you, Ella. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Curtis. And thanks, Jane. You have some questions for me. Let's switch gears and you hit me with a couple of your questions. Okay. First question. Ready? No. (laughs) What is your favorite show to binge watch? Well, of course it's seasonal, right? And I, it's so funny because I'm dying every once in a while I'll do a show on like pop culture topics. (laughs) It would be so funny and it would be such a divergence. (laughs) That would be fun. <laughs> There's like so much I want to talk to you guys about. <laughs> I recently just finished watching the very last episode of Succession and what an emotional, stressful journey that was. But here's my dirty secret when it comes to binging on TV. I don't, we don't, the TV is never on if the sun is out. That's a ru- unneeded rule in my household, right? But my, my dirty secret about binge watching is I will watch trash TV while I'm working out in the basement. So I will not watch trash TV in my living room, like any of the stupid reality shows. I'm not a housewives person. I just, 
I just don't think women screaming at each other is going to do any good in my life. And I wish they would stop putting that crap on television. And it makes me really mad. And I could talk about it all day. Like, where's the show where women are like kicking ass together? And yeah, they can get mad. There can be conflict. But where's that show where women are being natural and powerful, like contrived fighting? It stresses me out that that's so successful and that that's what people are inputting all the time. So, wow, I'm really taking your question and running with it (laughs) all by way of telling you that I will watch the most idiotic like reality competition TV shows while I'm working out or something to pass the time while on the Peloton. Like I don't take the class on the Peloton. I watch like I want to say Love Island. I don't I've never watched Love oh. Island, but that type of thing, that type of okay. junk while I'm while I'm on the Peloton and just go at it. Okay. All right. Next question. What is your biggest fear? Uh, mediocrity. My biggest fear is leading a average life doing average things that I feel quite average about. Now, if I do average things and I feel amazing about them, that's fine because no one else gets to tell me what a superb life looks like. It's not by somebody else's definition. So my life can look quite small to someone else, or it can look quite banal to somebody else, or it could look wildly exciting to some, none of that matters. It is entirely internal. And I have a severe allergy to mediocrity and it manifests itself in positive and negative ways. Like try being married to me. Like if things get too comfortable, I'll just shake them up. (laughs) Just like, you know what we need to do? We need to take Taekwondo as a family. But I do not want to be that metaphorical 86 year old that I deploy. You've heard me talk about it. Like I actually think about 86 year old me regularly. And I think what regrets do I want to avoid? What is 86 year old me? What would she tell me? Would she be like, listen, definitely play it safe. Like definitely don't do the thing. It's too risky. That's not what she's saying. She's saying, don't get here and have regrets. I think about her all the time and I'm trying to live a life that 86 year old me can be proud of. And I am incapable of answering your questions briefly. (laughs) Just hearing myself. Okay. Next. Okay. What motivates you to work hard? Oh, I would love to tell you that it's something noble and good. No, it's fear. (laughs) It's both. Really, there's always two sides to that coin. Always, always, always. But the first instinctive response to what motivates me is exactly what I just shared with you. I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle in any area of my life. And that can hit you like fear. It can sound like fear. And there's fear in that, a fear of mediocrity. And at the same time, that lights me up. I mean, (laughs) I am motivated by the reward of doing things, of figuring things out, of challenging myself and then like falling on my face and doing something else or succeeding at that and going forward. I am truly motivated by all of the things that we talk about on the air and building momentum for myself, whether it comes to managing my finances, to taking care of my physical body, to career moves, et cetera, et cetera. So I am, I am wildly motivated by momentum. I like that. I, I think I relate to that, to be honest. I never, it's, it's always about thinking about my future self. And if my life ended, you know, sooner rather than later, would I regret anything that I'm doing today? And that's kind of how I live my life. 
I think that can be so incredibly useful. And I've never shared this on the air before, Michelle, because it can sound quite macabre. I think about 86-year-old me, but I also think about me when I'm not here anymore. And I think, Mm -hmm. what do I want if someone was standing up today and eulogizing me? What would I want them to say? And of course, we you've lost people. I have lost people. Nobody I know is like, excellent, ready to go. Have all my ducks in order. Absolutely ready to check out. Peacing out. Like, Nobody, nobody I know had that experience. And so I don't know when that is. I want to try to do everything I have right now today to make sure that I'm good, that I have done what I can do, that I have not left too much on the table, and that I have used every single day to create something, to make somebody feel better than they did before, to invest in myself in some way. And I understand how tropey that can sound, but I actually find that an incredibly useful mental tool to just be reminded that there's an expiration date and nobody tells you when it is. As you said, life is short. And I actually find it useful and positive to be reminded of that. And I personally don't think that's macabre. I agree. Michelle, you've had loss. Like, does that, does that hit you as motivating or scary? Uh, kind of both. I've had lots of loss in my life. And starting at 18, I lost my mom. So that was, you know, a tough time. And just watching as certain family members pass away or friends even that are young, so to speak, and just knowing that I'm there at the same, you know, age range. So every day is a blessing and an opportunity for me to continue on and help as many people as I can. You and I agree. Now, some of the folks that are joining this conversation might not agree, and that's okay. Like, as with everything, take what works for you and discard the rest. But you and I both agree that it's useful to think about this as a, you know, a non infinite worldly existence. And I actually find that motivating because it makes me want to maximize and optimize most days, not every day. We're not machines. Right. Yeah. I'm working on it. (laughs) Okay. One more question? Yes, I have one more question, Ella. What topics are in store on the podcast in the near future? Can you tell me that? Good question, (laughs) Michelle. Okay, good question. Yes, it's never a secret. This is our show. This is our space. My philosophy is, and people who go back and listen to episodes um, back in in the archives, if you will, you'll know this, but I talk about what's of interest to me right then and there most of the time. Now, there was one season where I was just off my game. I was pretty honest about that in the season opener for season seven, where I was just like, ah, I feel like I was confused. So my content got a little confusing. But now it's like I have two sort of philosophies here or two driving pillars, if you will. And one is I want to talk to people who are doing something better than I am and I want to learn from them. And that means us. Right. And then the second thing is, but only if it interests me. (laughs) (laughs) So there's only going to be a certain subset of the population that is generally interested in the same things that I am around generally the same time. And I understand that. But in 300 episodes, if you would like to go through a binge eating phase, we've got something for you. If you would like to go through a fasting phase, we've got something for you. If you'd like to go through a habit building mindset change phase, we have got something for you. Because I basically, if I'm going through it, if I'm learning about it, if I'm interested in it, it's happening. So 
for me right now, to answer your question, that is everything from learning how to maintain excellence during perimenopause, okay? Because I'm now learning. That's basically just the period after child rearing years, whether you had children or not, right? After like main fertility years, after those years and before the cessation of your cycle and what people unfortunately call menopause, hate that word, in between that, that period is called perimenopause. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in it. All right, great to know. How do I optimize? How do I stay feeling strong and powerful and amazing, even though not everything is working for me? And I have to like maybe be a little bit more intentional. So that's obviously something that I'm quite consumed with lately. This season, though, I'm going to show a little bit more of my business colors. Like I'm, I'm going to stop avoiding some of the business topics I have tend to shy away from because I'm like, oh, people want to talk about wellness and blah, blah, blah. You know what? I want to talk about success. So sometimes that's personal and professional successes, like your story that we're sharing today. But I have a lot more to say that's actually like related largely to business and teams and leadership. And I want to know if there's space for that on this platform. So I'm super interested in whether I'm going to lose a bunch of people if I start talking about that or not. But I'm like, you know, I've been in business through my own consulting company for over 20 years. Like I have a couple things to say, and I think some people might, you know, it might be a value. And so I'm super interested as to whether this family has an appetite for that. But then I also care about this stuff like, are we radiating the crap out of ourselves every day? And what can we do about it differently? You know, so we've got someone to come on talking about that. Um, I still like talking to people who have just achieved something amazing, but are willing to tell the truth about how they got there instead of just making it all sound like sunshine and roses. So I've got a couple of people coming up who have done some pretty incredible things. And I want to be, I want to ask them, well, but how did you do it? How did you pivot? How did you build a high quality network in the second half of your career? How did you start doing the thing that now everybody knows you for? So I'm interested in a wide array of topics, and I just hope a couple of people are too. Okay. I don't think you're going to lose a lot of listeners talking about business because so many listeners are most likely in corporate America. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? When you are scoping the landscape and podcasts, it's all about entrepreneurialism or starting a business or online business. And that's not my world. If that were my world, you know, I'd be sending emails every week and like trying to upsell you guys on something because I just learned how to do online business. Like I still don't know. <laughs> I am not an online marketer. I'm a real world business person. And I just not sure anyone's talking about that in like a fun and interesting way. But Michelle, let me ask you this, because I think you're representative of a lot of people. What do you want me to talk about? This show is crowdsourced. I want people to DM me who they want to hear from and what they want to talk about. So I got to flip the script on you and say, what would you want to hear about? What would be interesting to you? I think honestly, just hearing your story, maybe in little bits at a time, just understanding like how you got to where you are because you were in corporate and you kind of are in corporate, but indirectly. So how did you pivot? You know, your story of, of how you, how you went from corporate America to building this TriVista group and, you know, who you are today. Michelle, I am so grateful for you coming on and just being willing to shoot the breeze with me and to have a conversation. I really, really want you to 
plug your business that you started all by yourself and are doing beautifully in. And I just want you to tell us where to find you. Okay. Uh, You can find me at my website, lifeorganizedwithmichelle.com, or I'm also on Instagram and Facebook with Life Organized with Michelle. If you're in the Wilmington area and you need some relief from clutter grief, I would love to help you. Uh, I would offer everyone listening a free one-hour consultation where we'll discuss your space, goals, and expectations. And then you would get 25% off your first three-hour session with me. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And that is Wilmington, North Carolina. I think every single state in America has a Wilmington (laughs) in it and a Greenville or a Greensboro. Very true. (laughs) Michelle, thank you. Thank you so much, Ella. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and all the links shared today at onairella.com. There's no whip. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.